I don't know about you, but I'm happy to be at LifeGate this morning. It's an awesome atmosphere. Am I right? It's a pretty awesome atmosphere this morning. Well, I want to thank you for having me and um, Pastor Chad, as always, just such huge role model in my life from the time I was, I was young. And, um, and you guys are so blessed. You're so blessed to have Pastor Chad and Amber here in this house. And uh, I know that we have some baby dedications at the end of this. And so I know some of you are just here for that. So it's like, move out of the way so I can get to my child or my grandchild. I understand. So I'll, uh, the shot clock's on and we're about to rock this thing. All right. Um, if you have your Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter number three, Ecclesiastes chapter number three, and we're just going to start in verse one. If you don't have your Bible, that's all right. I think that's in the, um, the inside of your announcement sheet. But um, if it's okay with you, uh, usually when Pastor Chad has me speak, he's in the middle of a series, um, but in this Voices series, he kind of just said, John, we want to hear your voice. And that's a lot harder than when he gives me the point in the series. And uh, to be honest, this is my third message that I prepared for this day, and uh, the Lord kind of, you know, gave me the Heisman on the first two, and then blindsided me on last Sunday, saying, um, you're going to speak something completely different. And uh, so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to kind of open my life. I think I'm a little TMI sometimes here at LifeGate, but you know what? You, it's kind of just part of the territory, and if, if you don't like it, Pastor Chad will be back next week. I won't. But, um, <laughs> but I just think there's power in transparency. I think that um, today, I mean, you look at social media, everyone, you know, you see them on social media, and you see them in person, and it's like... <laughs> No, 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 that's not you, but it really is them. Um, but I think there's power in transparency. And, and so I'm just going to share with you some of the things that God's been doing in my life, um, both good and bad. And, and hopefully some of you can, can, can hear this voice um, and maybe it'll apply to your life. So Ecclesiastes chapter number three, verse one says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plan, a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. Verse 11 is the verse that I really want you to focus on just for a moment. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So here's my transparency this morning. Is there anyone else that would just be honest as you go through life and you go through things day after day after day and you find yourself every now and then just looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, my life is an absolute mess right now. Am I the only one who's experiencing it? Thank you for your honesty. You know, you will enter the kingdom of heaven for your honesty. The rest of you, we got to work on some things here this morning. No, I'm just playing. But um, I don't know. I just think as I, as I get older and I have a three and a four, four-year-old daughters and, and I, I mean, gymnastics practice and swimming lessons and, and dance and, and, and all the activities. And then if you're a dad, you're invited to seven birthday parties on a Saturday and you have to go to all of them because if you don't, you're just one dad that's not there and you don't know anybody. Am I, I'm, okay, I get off my soapbox. Maybe that's just me. But in the midst of all that, you have to be a family too. In the midst of all that, you have to be a good spouse as well. 
And then not to mention the most important thing in the mess of this life that you have to have a relationship with Jesus. You have to, you have, to have prayer time and you have to be in the word. And, and not only that, you have to avoid sin and you have to avoid temptation. Maybe I am the only one, but especially the past three months, I've just found myself saying, I feel like my life is a mess. I can't keep up. I, I don't have everything squared away. I am an absolute mess. I'll give you a good story about why I might feel like that. This was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Two weeks ago was my 10-year wedding anniversary with my wife, and um, we were married when I was 12. It was a little awkward then, but it worked out now. Um, but we went to one of the things she had always wanted to do. We have a dream board as a family that we say we want to do this this year or sometime in our life. And one of the things that was important to her for whatever reason was to go to Cabo for an anniversary. And so we did that two weeks ago. It was an awesome, awesome time. Um, but if you remember two weeks ago, we were flying back from Cabo and there were all the storms. There were some in Houston and DFW. So we were flying back and we got just outside of Houston and we started circling. And you know, that's never a good thing when you're circling. And so we got on our reserve fuel. So we had to go to San Antonio to get fuel. We couldn't get off the plane because it was an international flight. We finally get to Houston. We miss our flight in Houston. And we finally get to DFW a little bit before midnight. So we had been literally traveling from 7 a.m., to almost midnight. And um, if you know the trip to Cabo, it shouldn't take anywhere close to that. Um, but that morning, I, um, I work in downtown Dallas. I woke up, and as I always do, I got dressed, and bar- beautiful alarm at 5 a.m. It's like angels singing every morning. And um, I got up, I got dressed, I went into work knowing I had several meetings that I was going to have to do. And, and the first meeting involved just one of my employees. We had to have just a one-on-one meeting and we hop in the elevator, go grab a cup of coffee and sit down. And I looked down and my fly's undone. Yeah, that was awesome. Don't look now. It's not. I checked it. Um, so I was like, okay, that's a little awkward. Either she just feels uncomfortable and doesn't want to tell me or she didn't see. I'm just praying she didn't see. Um, we go, we go to the meeting. I go back to my desk. I sit down and um, our office services come and says, John, uh, security's on with you for the parking garage and they need to talk to you. And I said, oh, great. What, someone hit my car. Like, what's going on? And I get on with the security and he's like, uh, Mr. Alcala, we just want to inform you that your car's still running. <laughs> it's like, great. Do you mind hopping in and just turning that thing off and <laughs> I'll come out there and I'll lock the door. So I'm like, fly undone, car still running for five hours from the time I got in. And um, this is great. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go grab a bite to eat. I'm just going to, I'm going to go for a walk. And if you know downtown Dallas, in front of First Baptist, there's this really cool fountain. I don't know if any of you have been there. But I'm walking that way and I'm kind of doing one of these numbers. Like, and it's a little awkward. And I look down and I've put on two of the completely wrong shoes. Like... <laughs> Like one was like kind of a thick white sole. The other one was like more of a patent leather, like thin sole. And I literally sit down and I say, my life is, I already knew it was a mess, but this was just the one. This was like, my life is an absolute mess. And I'm sitting there at the fountain, at least the music's going and the the atmosphere is good, but I feel, you can call it super spiritual if you want, but I literally felt a peace come over me. And it was the Lord saying, John, you need to learn a lesson this, just this day that even though you may feel like there is nothing going right 
in this day. Even though it may feel like everything is completely out of control, I still want to talk to you. I still want to use you. I still want you to have a good day. I still want you to be a light in this world. You see, sometimes a mess can be the very thing that gets your focus back on the things that really matter. Sometimes it's a mess that it takes to say, God, I have not made you the focus of my life. And for that reason alone, there is a mess going on everywhere else. The thing I love about the Lord is that he can turn a mess into a beautiful mess. And that's the title for my message this morning is a beautiful mess. Messes can be beautiful if they're handled correctly. And so today I want to answer the question really quickly. What do I do with my mess? What do I do with my mess? The first thing you have to do, number one, is you have to face it. And you're like, wow, Pastor Chad, thanks for bringing in the big hitter this morning. Um, You know, that's real theologically deep. No, you know what? The fact is we are the best at knowing that there's a mess, but we're also the best at turning our back to it or ignoring it and just kind of closing our eyes and hoping that it will eventually fix itself. What is the mess in your life? For, for the last three months, mine was margin. I was just so spread thin with, 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 with all the demands of work and then helping my wife with her business as she works out of the home and then, and then getting to these practices and doing all these things and helping out here and helping out there. And I came to a point where I found that my wife was getting the leftovers, my kids were getting the leftovers, and most importantly, the Lord was getting the leftovers because there was no margin in my life. Some of you are you, you're just yes people and you don't want to let anyone down. But the fact is you're giving the people that matter the most and God, you're giving them the leftovers. Some of you, your mess is sin. There's something in your life that's hindering you from really being what God has called you to be and doing what he has called you to do. And you are well aware of it, but you're sitting there and you're hoping that one day it'll just kind of fix itself. I mean, everyone makes mistakes. I had to like go through the word and just look at and encourage myself. I mean, you think of all the people in the Bible who were a mess. Like you can look at Noah. The, the last righteous man on earth was drunk who slept in the nude. Like to me, that's awkward. Sorry. Um, maybe that's normal for some people. Not, that's a mess to me. I think of Abraham, the forefather of faith, um, let other men walk off with his wife on two different occasions. To me, that's a mess. I think of Sarah, the most gorgeous woman by popular opinion, who let her husband sleep with another woman and then was mad at her. You know, like that's a weird situation. It's a messy situation. And you can go on and on. I think of Job and Moses. I, I think of David, the, the friend of God he, who concealed his adultery with murder. Like that's a mess. I, I think of Solomon and Lot and Isaac and Samson. I mean, you could go through all, all throughout the word of God and see these people who had a messiness in their lives. But the hope for you and me today is that all these people that I just named, they were different people from different walks of life. They, they, they liked different things, disliked different things. Like they, they were, they're people just like this in the middle of their mess. Guess what? God still used them to do extraordinary things. God knows your mistakes, but here's the thing. He wants you to face them and he wants you to own up to them. Not to condemn you, but he wants to, you to face them and bring them to the forefront so that he can make you understand once again that you need him in your life. I think of one more story in John 4 when Jesus calls out the Samaritan woman 
It's in John 4, 13. Um, Jesus answered and said, everyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I will give will never become thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give them will become in them a spring that gushes up eternal life. The woman told Jesus, sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty or have to come here to get water. Jesus told her, go get your husband and bring him here. The woman replied, I don't have a husband. Listen to what Jesus says. He said, you're right. When you say you don't have a husband, you have had five husbands and the man you have now isn't your husband. You told the truth. This is Jesus just straight up calling someone out. But notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't call out the mess of her life to condemn her to make her feel small. He doesn't call out the mess of her life to to make her feel insignificant or hopeless. No, you know why he wanted to see the mess come to the forefront? So that he could say, listen, your life is a mess, but I have something to offer you that can make this a beautiful mess. You will never understand what the Lord can truly offer if you don't first identify that there's a mess that you need to face. If you know what that mess is in your life and you can identify it, I believe today is the day that you say, I'm not going to ignore it anymore. I'm going to face it head on. So that's the first thing we've got to do with our mess. Number one, we've got to face it. Number two is probably the most important. We've got to invite Jesus into the mess. You see, we are church people. We live in Texas. So everyone's a Christian, right? In Texas. So what, we, what I've seen just so many times is we have people who say, well, I'll come to church, I'll come to Jesus when I can clean up a little, you know, some things. In my, I'm, just, I'm too ashamed to come to church until I kind of fix some things in my life. But do you understand that is so contrary to what the Lord really wants from you? The Lord wants you to identify that you have a mess in your life and say, Lord, I want you to come in right in the middle of this mess and help me out. So many times we try to fix the mess with our own strength, with our own knowledge, with our own power, sometimes our own manipulation. We try to fix it. But what we need to understand is that we weren't created to fix this mess by ourselves. We need him. And when we don't invite him into our lives, you know what we're doing? We're handcuffing him from doing what he wants to do in our lives. The fact is, God does not guide those who want to run their own life. You say, John, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I think about a moment in the Bible where Jesus was invited to a messy situation. And I think of the stories found in Mark 35. I'm not going to read it. But what I'm going to tell you is it's when Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. And they, he had just gotten done teaching to a massive crowd. And he said, hey, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And it was the moment where Jesus, some of you know the story, he went down to sleep and then the disciples are all awake and the storm comes and the wave comes and they're, they're freaking out and they're like, what are we going to do? And then they have the audacity to go down to Jesus and say, do you even care about us? You know, do you remember that story? No, I'm the only one. Okay. Maybe I should have read it. Um, but a lot of us and me including, sometimes I knock the disciples a lot for being like, how could you not have faith? Jesus was in the boat. Like, oh, ye of little faith. And we kind of speak down to the disciples. But you know what? I don't want to be so hard on them today. I kind of admire them in the sense 
that at least in the midst of it, despite how small their faith was, at least they asked him to wake up and come into the situation. You see, that says a lot more than what I've done in my life, and it's probably a lot of us have done in our life, that when, when all hell is breaking loose in our life, and the wind and the storms and the waves are coming, we're trying to figure it out, we're trying to figure it out, and we just don't go to God and say, God, I want to invite you in to this situation. At least they asked him. So many times, we do everything but ask God. When there's a mess in our life, we go to our spouse, we go to our best friends, we go to our acquaintances that really, we don't, they don't, they don't even care about us. We go to people that, that don't even want to, like, that aren't even that connected to the Lord. We, we invite everyone into our mess except the one who can fix the mess. Listen, the Lord wants control of the mess, not you to control the mess. The best example I can give you is, is driving a car. You know, I love coming here on Sunday mornings because it's like the highway is just open to me and my car. It's the most amazing thing. When you commute to downtown Dallas every morning, you know, he, your faith is tested every morning. I can promise you that. But I'm driving, and, and, and the best illustration I can give you is you're driving your car, and a lot of us, we like to have Jesus in the trunk. Because, like, if, if, if a tire blows, if you have a flat tire, if something happens, you know, you just, you just pop that trunk, pull Jesus out. He'll fix, he'll fix the issue, you know, that way you can get, get to your other, you know, your, your next destination. But then, you know, let's, let's put him back in the trunk. But some of us are a little bit more saved than that, right? Like, that's, that's pretty bad if you're throwing Jesus in the trunk. So, so we're like, you know what, Jesus, you can sit back seat. Like, I mean, I, you know, I'm driving, you know, and my friends can be with me. But, you know, maybe I'll give you my phone and you can pick the music, like some good, you know, worship music. And, and you can be a backseat driver every now and then. Just don't speak up too much, you know, just, just kind of go along, come along for the ride. It, it's nice. But then some of us are more saved than that, right? It's like, okay, I'm not going to put him in the trunk or the backseat. I'll put him co-pilot because that's pretty cool. Like, you know, Jesus, me, you taking a road trip. Let's talk. Let's have a relationship. And then Jesus t- tells you to take a right turn that you don't really want to take. And what do you do? You take a left turn. You're like, Jesus, we were cool until you told me to go that way. But not, we're, not, we're not so cool now. But, but you know what? When you invite Jesus in, um, it, it's not a, a trunk relationship or a backseat relationship or even a co-pilot relationship. It is a complete surrender relationship where you take the keys out of the ignition and you drop them into the hands of God. And you say, God... I need you to take this mess and I need you to steer me through this time in my life and not just this time, but for the rest of my life because I know when you are in control, my, my mess becomes a beautiful, beautiful mess. So we face it. We invite the Lord in number three this morning. We reach out. And I hesitated on putting this one in because I want to start this point by saying Reach out to the right people. Because a lot of us, we have just like this, it's like an instinct that when we're going through a mess, we always reach out to the wrong people. When there's a mess in our lives and we face it and we invite the Lord in, the Bible says in Matthew 8, 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. It also says in 1 Thessalonians five fourteen. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. 
If there is something or some things um, that are hindering your relationship with God, I, with God, I want you to realize you weren't created to go through them alone. You know, you, you call LifeGate your church home. We use words like, this is my church family. This is my community. Yet when we're going through something in our life, we never take it to our home. We never let our family get involved. We kind of push everyone away. I don't know, maybe it's just a Hispanic thing, but like there were some real talks going down in my home. There were some real talks going down in my family, good or bad, because we took those things really important. You are in a place, you are in a home, you are in a church family that when you have a mess in your life, there are some powerful men and women of God that you can partner with to help navigate you through this mess. And you say, well, I don't know who those people are. That's why you have a church staff who can point you to those people and partner you up so that you can succeed. Connect your people who will pray for you, not just talk about you. Connect with people that will uplift you, not uplift themselves by looking down at you. Connect yourself with people who will encourage you. Connect yourself with people that when they look at you, they see the potential that God has placed in your life. It just hasn't fully come to fruition because there's got to be a mess that's got to be cleaned up. What does the Bible say in Proverbs 14.4? It says, without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. And you say, John, why are you calling me an ox? That's kind of jacked up. Um, Listen to what the verse is talking about. It's not so much about the oxen, but it's talking about relationship. In essence, what it's saying is that, yes, life will be more simple if you keep everyone out. But if you want to see the harvest in your life, that's not the way to go. Some of you, for whatever reason, whether you're just a shy person, some of you, maybe you've been hurt in the past by people. You say, you know what? relationships just aren't worth the hassle. But this is what I want to tell you today. When you're going through a mess and you're facing it and you're asking God to help you, there is nothing better than having someone in the stable with you, praying for you, believing with you, fighting for you, interceding with you. And if you are going to be the church that God has called this church to be, you need each other. If we are going to see change in this world, guess what? I need the best version of you and you need the best version of me. You see, a mess can actually become a beautiful thing because what it does is it can connect you to the people who will make you a better version of yourself. You see, my job is not to become you and your job is not to become me. Our job is to come together to be a better version of ourselves so that we can as closely as possible imitate who he created us to be as individuals. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen Another. So you've got to face it. You've got to invite Jesus in. You've got to reach out. And number four this morning, you've got to take action. You know, when, there, when the Lord created coffee, I think he just kind of blessed you all for um, the creation that was specifically for me. <laughs> I, I feel like the coffee bean, he said, John, this is for you, but I guess I'll let all of humanity benefit from it as well. How many of you love coffee? Like, how many of you are a different person after your first cup of coffee? I know, I'm a horrible, like, I have to pray about that. Like, I've prayed if it's an addiction or not. Um, I know I'm not big on, like, the company, we won't get there, um, but I, sorry, I love Starbucks coffee. Is anyone else that loves Starbucks coffee in here? Okay, all right. 
It's like my favorite. So how many of you would like uh, me to buy you a cup of Starbucks coffee? Anybody? Okay. Okay, good. Okay, how many of you would like me to buy you a cup of Starbucks coffee? Okay. All right, well, I'm waiting. Like, we'll be here. Like, baby dedication's getting ruined right now because y'all are just, I mean, goodness. All right, uh uh-oh. Okay. You guys are slow, but you're worth waiting. I mean, that's a good thing. A lot of you want a cup of coffee. A lot of you love coffee, but it is very seldom that people will actually get up off their tails and come and get what the Lord has in store for them. You see, a lot of people, you want to clean up the mess of your life. You want God to do things. You want change in your family. You want change in your workplace. You want change in every aspect of your life, but you're like, oh, that's just a little bit too inconvenient. It might be a little bit embarrassing if I have to go up there and get the life change that God has for me. You can face it, you can invite the Lord in, you can reach out and partner with someone, but until you are sick and tired of the way that your mess is and take action and make pointing decisions on how to change your life, it will not change. You can get all the, you can get the greatest pastor in the world and the greatest message and the greatest worship in all the world. But until you leave these four walls and you go and you make a decision that I am tired of the mess in my life and I need change and you start taking action, it's not going to happen for you. It's time to start taking action. What is that thing? What is that sin? What is, what are the, what, what is keeping you from being everything God has designed for you to be in your walk? Are you willing to take action to make it happen? Listen, words, emotions, and attitude, which we're all good at. We're all good at words speaking. We're all good at being emotional, and we're all good at having an attitude. They are nothing if they aren't attached to action when it comes to life change. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word, but what? Do it. Matthew 5.16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works in heaven and give glory to God, your Father who is in heaven. I want to close with this. This past um, Father's Day, um, I had two criteria for Father's Day. One, I wanted to go to Original Pancake House, not to be confused with IHOP. They're two different worlds. It's like, you know, heaven and something else. But um, man, their bacon, best bacon in all of the land. Their coffee is awesome. And their chocolate chip pancakes are like chocolate cake. I mean, what else can you um, ask for? But, um, and then to go see Finding Dory with my two girls, which you can judge me if you want for that, but whatever. You know what? There's a song that says, like, mercy's better than judgment or something like that. But, um... <laughs> I was at OPH, and I was eating with my three-year-old. Her name's Jewel, short for Juliana. And um, if you throw that picture up there, this is what I saw. So um, I, have, I just don't understand how a three-year-old can just cause absolute destruction. Like, it's amazing to me. Like, and so, like, I mean, that's mom's plate that she somehow hijacked. Those are half-eaten pancakes. That's an over-easy egg that looks like yellow goop that she was supposed to dip that toast in, and that didn't go good. And, um, and I look over, and I'm like, come on, baby girl. Like, this is a mess. Like, you got to clean this up. Like, what is going on? And then, do you, does anyone see anything in the picture? She looks up at me and goes, Daddy, a smiley face. <laughs> and the Lord, like, smacked me upside the head and brought Matthew 18.3 that says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom 
of heaven. You say, John, what's your point this morning? My point is this, that your life might look like a mess. You, you may have no clue what's going on in your life. You may feel like you're hanging on by a thread. It may look like everything on the table is in shambles and it doesn't make sense. But if you will do what the Lord has asked you to do, if you will just, you will just give him complete control of your life and say, God, I'm ready to face this thing. I want you to come in. I'm going to partner with someone. I'm going to take action. You know what he does? He begins to make you understand that in the middle of of your mess, there is always beauty in the middle of it. There is always a moment where God comes in and says, you know what? In the middle of the mess, I still want to use you. In the middle of the mess, you can still be joyful. In the middle of the mess, I am still with you and you can choose your outlook. In the middle of your mess, this is just a great preparation for the message that you're going to have and what I want to do in you and through you. LifeGate, it's time we face it. It's time that we invite Jesus in. It's time that we reach out. And lastly, it is time that we take action.